Miracy. But you could think about what is it that you teach and how could you bring a physical or experiential aspect of that into your work that complements the online component and then makes it, you know, a lot deeper and richer. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey there, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Our guest today is Suzette Rochat, also known as Kibele. Kibele uses crystals and stones to teach students how to cultivate embodied intuition and practice self-healing. Happy to have you here, Kibele. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So for those who are not super familiar with you or your work, just tell us your story, the 30,000-foot view. Who are you and what do you do and how did you come to be doing it? And how did you eventually make your way to the world of online courses? I was a student of dance in high school and college. And after that, I became a massage therapist and went forward into body work. The distinction for me being that there's an emotional component of body work as well as cognitive. And I studied Lomi body work and Jinchinjitsu and some Gestalt therapy. So it's been a long time of adding things to the soup of what I do in my groups and my one-to-one sessions. And I came to the online world by way of a student who asked me to work with him on Stripe and very patiently taught me how to use it way back when. And so I got used to it from working with him. So then when the pandemic came, I just heaved everything over to Zoom and it worked fine. I mean, my students and my groups who spent all week on Zoom were not terribly happy to spend a Saturday workshop on Zoom, but they were willing to do it because they love the work. So it was a kind of a seamless sort of pouring the work into a new container. Awesome. And your, your course is called Seven Gates, A Chakra and Gemstone Journey. Tell us about that course. You know, if I sign up for it, who am I, first of all, that I would sign up for it? And what do I get? What's my experience? What does it cost? Well, that's my foundation course. And it usually happens as a once a month session for eight months. And it's pretty much a day long workshop. And it moves initially up the chakras, which are energy vortexes in the body that correspond to endocrine glands, like the thyroid and the pancreas and the pituitary. And there are stones that resonate at the same frequency as the chakras. And it's a process of coming into relationship with the stones that 
I believe that, or I experience that they have a kind of life, a kind of consciousness, a spirit. And it's a very tactile process, even though there's, it's like a guided meditation. And there is the body of the stone in your hand. So I'm just saying that because coming from doing massage and body work and dance, tactile is kind of the link. And also that stones can be used in healing and self-healing. So there are meditations and periods of writing and sharing with each other, which as I'm sure you know, in a group experience, the fun and the learning is so much more than just one-to-one because everybody's personality and spirit experiences things differently. So I love how we, we learn from each other, how we experience the stones and the colors and the meditation and movement processes. So you've used the word tactile a few times to describe the experience. How does that work in an online remote setting? So the focus is on and through the body and sensation. So I will spend time, for example, kind of slowing people down into focusing on the palm of their hand and the grip of their fingers and then the texture of the stone and the weight or the lightness of it and whether it's getting warm from being in your hand or not. And I work a lot with the inner senses in terms of intuition. So in these processes, I will almost always remind all of us to look with our inner eyes and listen with our inner ears and feel sensation and emotion and any sense of kind of movement of energy, which goes back into sensation again, like sort of tingling or itching or something like that as a way to, well, come into relationship with the stones initially. And then, and then we work with each chakra with the two stones that align with it. And the group that I've had that's been going for so many years has long ago done both the initial upwards fountain cycle of seven gates and then the next downward cycle, the waterfall cycle of seven gates. And we've simply continued working with the same stones just in new ways. Like they each choose a stone and work with it for a year to allow that to deepen. And we have started working with an intention for a year and then picking a second stone that uh, supports and represents that intention. So it has just developed as my imagination and creativity draws it forward. And what does it cost to go through this program? Well, I've always worked with a sliding scale, and I believe that now it is um, $80 to $220 per session. And 
I have uh, students who are in quite different economic situations, you know, people who are living on disability and people who have big fat management jobs. So people pay different amounts because they are in different situations. And I also have um, developed a scholarship fund that I put out a call to the students once or twice a year if they want to donate, and they do. And one person has had to either take a year off or not pay this year, and the students have pretty much covered her for the whole year. Like, things happen and people are unemployed, etc., or disabled. I mean, this sounds like a really, um, in a way, like a really arrogant first world thing to say, but ultimately it's not really about the money for me. It's about the the creativity and the the community and the healing that happens. I mean, most of these people in this group that I'm talking about, I've known for 20 to 34 years. So it becomes its own tiny little community or tribe or something. Do you, I mean, do you have any tips for someone who wants to create something similar in terms of how to essentially in terms of marketing, right? But you may not think of it as marketing, but you know, how does someone build a community like that and have long-term customers based on a course in a group like this? Do you have any sort of advice for people who might want to go in a similar direction? Well, Initially, I had kind of a big public life for a few years where I was teaching as part of the Reclaiming Collective, and I was teaching in different places in the intensives in different places in the United States and in Europe. So, and those groups were like one to 200 people. So I was exposed to a lot of people or they were exposed to me and my teaching. So that was a very helpful beginning. Little did I know that it was a beginning. I mean, someone asked me once what I do for my clients, talking about one-to-one work here, and I just said, I love them. And at the time, I then immediately thought it was the stupidest thing I could have ever said. But it's true. And there's a way the bonds that occur sustain. I really am interested in these people. I care about them. I look into them and listen to them in a deep way. I mean, making a connection with someone is, in a way, a very mysterious process. But in this very small community, I have been able to do that. And how did you form that community in the first place? Or where did the initial people come from? Well, I really think it's from when I was teaching classes with reclaiming, both locally. I lived in San Francisco then, both in San Francisco and in the summer intensives, different places in the United States and Canada and Europe. And some of these people were originally my bodywork clients, and I spent a number of years um, focusing on 
working with uh, trauma survivors, particularly childhood sexual abuse. So people were working with very difficult and gnarly wounds from their past with me. So trust was really established. And many people moved on to become students of mine. So the trust was very deep already. And people are just, I mean, these people are like interested in stones and crystals. They think they're cool and beautiful. And so they, they continue. Also, many of them are good friends with each other. So they have, you know, they said, oh, I'm doing this cool thing. So now, you know, three really good friends and then two other good friends are all in the group. Yeah, makes sense. Are there other things that you would like to share or other wisdom you'd like to pass on to other course creators or people who are also trying to better serve their their students? If something really moves you and continues to keep your interest and curiosity, you can trust that and follow it into a course. And in terms of what other people who are doing things that are more like what I'm doing, like that are about intuition or purpose or healing, like those realms where language is not so easy. I think that the inner world, like when we close our eyes and pay attention to our sensations or the different pictures that our mind is offering up or the narrative that our mind is jabbering away into our ear. I believe that the inner world is like a treasure chest that is not so honored and developed in this culture at this time. I mean, we're, we're battered by input from all our devices, and there's a lot just going on inside. And it's so delightful to me. And that delight carries into my teaching. And because I had been teaching, you know, standard courses with the Reclaiming Collective, I knew how to basically how to form a course or a weekend workshop. So that was my luck at that time, learning how to do that. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Abe, can you do the readout? Yep. Cabelli, also known as Suzette Rochat, teaches people how to cultivate intuition and do self-healing, mostly with crystals and stones. You can find out more about her at cabelliswell.com. That's C-Y-B-E-L-E-S-W-E-L-L.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. So Abe, what jumped out to you? I mean, I think the big theme for me here was this idea of creating a small community or tribe of people who are like deeply invested in your work and, you know, stick with you for a long period of time. I mean, a lot of 
us who are interested in the world of online business and education and marketing have come across the concept of a thousand true fans. Um, that was Kevin Kelly made popular the idea that you don't you know, have to reach millions of people on the internet to have a thriving business, especially if it's kind of your own personal business. You really just need a small group of people who you know will um, buy what you put out. If you have a, a thousand people who will spend $100 a year with you, that's $100,000 a year in income. And, but I think sometimes, A, we forget how appealing that and manageable that vision is compared to sometimes there's this sense that you do have to like scale and reach tons of people you know, to be working online. But also that it doesn't even have to be a thousand true fans, right? Which could actually seem daunting, right? It's not trivial to attract a thousand true fans. But you can also have a, a smaller, more intimate community of people that you work with for a long period of time. And that could be the foundation of a business that works really well for you. So I just thought that was a nice reminder of an approach to building a course-based business that we sometimes forget about. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, there were two themes that really jumped out to me. One was on the, just in terms of how this works as a business. And, you know, kind of by her own words, this is not about the money. It's not about a business per se. It's about community. It's about healing. It's coming together. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all get to decide what's important to us and what we want to spend our time doing, what we find to be meaningful. And, you know, the courses we build can be a big part of that. And they're also a gateway to making those things possible in our lives. So, you know, growth for the sake of growth or scale for the sake of scale or any of that doesn't really serve any purpose. And what Cabelli's created, engineered, whether it's intentional or intuitive or some combination of the two, is a way for her to do the stuff with her time and with her energies that she wants to be doing. And you know, we all have strengths and we all have areas that are not so much our strengths. And we tend to do really well when we lean into those strengths. And for Cabele, that is in her transformative work, in her, her deep focused attention on the relationships she builds with the people she's serving and with their needs. And leaning into those strengths, she's built a really interesting hub for her business. And, you know, speaking to the business side, right, you know, there's the sliding scale, which is a very interesting model. And, you know, she's able to make it work. And even with the sliding scale, even at the low end of that, you know, $80 times eight sessions, you know, that's $640. That's, that's not nothing. And the average would be higher than that. So you don't need an enormous number of students to get to a meaningful amount of income that makes the work sustainable. So I thought that was really interesting. Now, the other thing that jumped out to me is that from a learning design standpoint, this is different than a lot of online courses, and it's different in a couple of ways. It's different, first of all, because the work is very tactile and experiential. It's not very cerebral or didactic. And course creators sometimes feel like it's going to be harder to teach something that is very experiential or tactile or hands-on, or you know, you've got to be there, etc. But as we've seen with Cabelli and other guests on the show, it's very doable when you get creative about how to facilitate that experience. What I also thought was interesting is that most of the courses that we feature, there's kind of a beginning, middle, and end, right? There's a start, there's the outcome you want to get people to, and you know, then you're done or you move on to the next course, et cetera. But there are learning journeys 
that work very differently. So I'm thinking, for example, of you know, the martial arts dojo environment where you, know, you might have a course where you go from white to yellow belt, for example, but you're not done. You just keep on training and going deeper. And that's what's really interesting about the model that Kibele has built here. She has this eight-month introductory program. But at the end of the introductory program, you just keep on going in the same way that, you know, after eight months of, you know, a gym membership or a fitness class, you presumably just keep on going. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah, agree with all that. Final point might be is just the the way that she incorporated the, the tactile elements you mentioned, even while transitioning her courses to be online. I think that's something that, that other course creators could um, look at and, and try to brainstorm around, even if you're not literally teaching about something as tactile as crystals and, and stones that are physical artifacts that are the foundation of the course. But you could think about what is it that you teach and how could you bring a physical or experiential aspect of that into your work that complements the online component and then makes it you know a lot deeper and richer. I think a lot has been written about, for example, Zoom fatigue and, and the fact that after moving to a more intensively online you know, society and, and economy, like there's a bit of burnout associated with being online all the time and being on screens all the time. And anything we can do to help our course participants like feel an alternative to that can, can be really interesting. I don't have anything else. Do you want to do the readout? Yep. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eaney, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes Just Between Coaches, Making It, and Once Upon a Business. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer, post-production by Post Office Sound. Another thanks to Cabelli for coming onto the show today. You can learn more about her and her courses and workshops over at cabelliswell.com. That's cabelliswell.com. And to make sure you don't miss the really great episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. I'm not sure we did say goodbye. Well, thanks, thanks, Kabeli. Thank you so, thank you so much, really. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head-on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just 
you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.